This conference will now be recorded. Hey everybody, how's it going? My name's Claire Bartlett and you're watching and listening to Me and My Racket. It's the show about tennis industry professionals sharing their passion, purpose, and connecting over the sport we all know and love. And today on the show, we are joined by Greg Chambers. Greg, hello. Hi, Claire. Hey, how's it going? Good, thanks for having me. Good, thanks for coming on. I just want to introduce you real quick to our viewers. So everybody, Greg is the tennis director at Innsworth in Nashville and has been since 2013. He played collegiate tennis at Lipscomb University, where he was inducted into the Lipscomb University Athletic Hall of Fame in 2002 and has a wealth of experience as a tennis professional, referee, tournament director, and player. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you. Awesome. Well, what's been going on in your world? I know it's a very different time that we're all in. <laughs> yes, it's it's been a little crazy. I'm ready to get back on the courts. We're in Davidson County, so we're yeah. under a little bit of a lockdown, but I have a treadmill. Oh, yeah. And I've, I've owned it about 20 years, and I think in the last month I've gotten more use out of it than the previous 19 years. So. Oh, yeah, I bet. I'm trying to stay active, and it's been yeah. nice some time with my daughter. I have a daughter and a wife and we've spent a lot of time. We've actually watched some old movies of old little DVDs of my daughter growing up a lot lately. Oh, so that's wow. Yeah. Been fun to go down memory lane a little bit. Yeah, no, it's fun to be able to do. And and I've had a lot of conversations with other people and they were saying the same thing. It's like we're all having this time to do stuff that you really like haven't thought of in a long time or just haven't, you know, had the time to do. And so it's been it's been a, a good thing in that way. I know it's been really hard, um, you know, in some ways, but that has been a good thing about all this taking a pause. Absolutely. So, well, um, I, I want to get into your tennis story because um, fascinated about hearing that. And so if you could just walk us through kind of when you started and, and your playing career and your professional career up until this point. It's a long story. Oh, yeah, no, we bring on the story. <laughs> you may have to pause me because I can I can talk for a week. But uh, um, uh, my dad was he was uh, the first in our family to graduate college, and after college he went in the military, mm -hmm. and then he got a job with Dupont. So that was our as far back as I can remember is Waynesboro, Virginia, um, and I played baseball from ages six to you know, about 13, but six, seven, eight, nine, I saw my parents playing some tennis and my mom really was more into it than my dad. But about 10, uh, we moved from Waynesboro, which is close to UVA to Richmond. And that's when I expressed a lot of interest. We had a little local swimming tennis club with a few courts and a pool. And I was ride, I was close enough to ride my bike. So I started playing with my mom and she, <laughs> She had a toss 15 feet high and she made contact about mm -hmm. eye level. So I, things like that used to drive me crazy once I knew what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. But um, it was it was a really it was fun because I had played a ton of baseball and I and then I got into tennis, started playing in tournaments. Mom was became a junior, you know, director of uh, junior tournaments at our junior. She was the chairman of the junior tennis committee at that little club. It was a brand new club. Yeah. So um, as I played more, I mean, we played every day. I probably drove her crazy, but I caught, I, you know, because of the other sports and stuff and I was, I have a good hand eye and I caught on pretty quick. Some 13, 14, 15 year old guys would ask me to start playing. Mm -hmm. So um, 
you know, I played a lot with them and then that evolved into um, some USDA tournaments at a place called Bird Park, which I hear is not very well kept up now, but yeah. Arthur Ashe was the king back then in Richmond, Virginia. And yeah. now he's still kind of my tennis idol. So yeah. I started, I played a lot of tournaments in, in Richmond um, and uh, traveled a little bit, but mainly local. And uh, I remember, I mean, I think Rodney Harmon, isn't he a big USCA guy? I mean, yeah. I remember watching Rodney Harmon play at Tennessee, I think, play a guy named Pat Perrin. That was a high school tennis match. It looked like pro wow. to me. And, um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, you know, those kind of experiences. Uh, tennis was a big deal in Richmond back then. Um, and I was just lucky that timing um, of tennis being really popular. Richmond was a, a big tennis town. And um, so that that was all, you know, that was a part of me transitioning from baseball to tennis because I really liked baseball, but it got a little slow except when, when I would pitch. So tennis, I was really involved in, you know, every other shot I'm, I'm playing. Yeah. And, and it was interesting. I didn't um, play singles as much as I did doubles back then. So, you know, yeah. you could look at my game and, and I'm a, I like to go in. Yeah. And we played doubles and some of the guys that I played with, I thought it was so cool. The older guys asking me to play, but wow. they said they really liked uh, having me with them because I kept the ball in play. So okay. that stuck with me because mm -hmm. one of the guys that I think I might have pushed out of that group, you know, he could hit a winner any second or he could hit it over the fence any second. And I was a little yeah. more steady or better points. But anyway, we it was being my, being with DuPont, my dad's career shifted him around a lot. And right. so um, we moved to Nashville. We actually moved to Hendersonville, which is North Nashville. Mm -hmm. And uh, there weren't a lot of people playing, but tennis being a stabilizing factor in my life um, introduced me to a lot of people, got me plugged in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I was in eighth grade, which is not the ideal time to move right in the middle of your school year in middle school. Uh, but yeah. um, it, it was tennis saved me. I mean, it introduced me to you know, some seniors in high school, a couple guys my age, one of my best friends went to NBA, lived in, in Hendersonville. Um, we played all the time and I started playing tournaments at Centennial. Uh, and Centennial hosted a, a lot of USDA events. And um, really the only out of town tournaments I'd play would be, I'd go to Chattanooga for the qualifying. Right. And I would go to Southern's and, you know, that mobile was God awful hot back then. And I'm sure it yeah. still is oh, yeah. good memories of mobile. I mean, good and bad. And I yeah. didn't quite make it to Kalamazoo, but that was kind of the extent of the travel. So there were right. tons of players in Nashville to play with a guy named Russell Bushy and, yeah, Russell. and they were the tennis gods around here. So once uh, Russell approached me, you know, my mom thought I, I, I hit it. Um, I hit the big time when when somebody like Russell Bushy noticed me. So mm -hmm. um, interesting. I've watched your podcast and and I saw Eric Voges and his family and, and Meg Bandy. And I'm big fans of, of all these people and Mark Brand and and his brother. I played doubles with his brother, Ronnie. And oh, yeah, so I remember Eric beating beating up on me on a court at Macaulay. <laughs> when I was a junior somewhere, and then I beat him at Centennial 
and my mom thought I was Pete Sampras. I mean, after she oh. loved it, and, and I really thought, think a lot of Eric to this day. We've, yeah. you know, he's just a classy guy. He's actually helped me a lot. And, um, but anyway, that from junior tennis, uh, mm-hmm. I just had a big time through, through juniors. I burned out a little bit in my last year, um, mm-hmm. right after 18s. I had a bad birthday. Uh, September 17th is my birthday. And okay. that cut off back then was October 1. So right. when I was, when I was uh, 18, I couldn't play at 18. So when I was 17, that was my last year in the juniors. But, yeah. uh, you know, I had a little bit of a burnout, but um, so I took a little bit of a break. I played a lot of basketball as well through high school. And um, I remember the basketball coach asking me if I'd play. And I said, I'd really like to play tennis in college. I'm not sure. And and I was real intimidated by that basketball coach. And ends up you know he was I was 17 18 he was only 27 so I can't oh imagine now to these high school yeah. kids I'm coaching but um ended up at Van uh sorry at uh, Lipscomb mm-hmm. and um played four years there played number one all four years had had a great experience at Lipscomb coach Lynn Griffith was was there and I probably drove him crazy because I was extra into it yeah uh, one year we we were 26 and five so we played a ton of matches yeah, and, uh, and it was two out of three regular scoring uh-huh. uh, singles and doubles so long then, match <laughs> yeah, and i just kept on so i didn't i think i was probably a better player at 29 than i was in school wow. but uh, there are so many people that i've met along the way that i'm so grateful for mm-hmm. um and that from uh, i mean the timeline is tough but so from from college tennis i taught here and there at, at like bluegrass country club in hendersonville but wow. through my 20s i really look back i don't know how i survived my 20s because i didn't really have a a stable indoor court you know yeah. to work at so yeah. i had took odd jobs in the winter but i had these summer yeah. tennis jobs which would tide me over but uh, Maryland Farms in Brentwood yeah. offered me a job in my mid to late 20s, and that's a tennis yeah. lesson factory. So I was there three years. I took um, the tennis director position at a place called Westside Athletic Club, which was challenging because it was a for-profit tennis club. Okay. And yeah. that, uh, I learned a whole lot about tennis industry in, in that business. I was there about 16, 17 years. Mm-hmm. And then... I ended up at Ensworth School, which was yeah. is very. I'm just extremely lucky and fortunate. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome, and it's it's great coming to visit y'all. And I I know um just yeah, I mean the facility and everything. It's it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite the place. Yeah. Well, so with um you know with your position at Ensworth, um, what's your typical day look like? I mean, I know right now is not like a typical time, but what, what does your day look like, um, you know, or your week with um, being the director of tennis there? Um, my daughter is at Ensworth. That had probably had a little bit to do with me being there, but um, we'll, we usually go in together and yeah. I'll open the tennis center and do a pretty extensive walkthrough. We've got a lot of bells and whistles so I've got to make sure a lot of things are on and off and the, the right curtains are down I check the court sheet and make sure um, everybody's ready for the day 
Um, there's I usually have a ton of emails. I'm I'm a tennis director, which is different than maybe a head pro. So I'm right. lucky. I'm on the court about 15 hours a week, maybe maybe 20 max. So yeah. I may have a lesson in the mornings, but usually it's a uh, you know it's meeting with staff, making sure they have the things they need because they're generally on the court most of the most of the time. Um, right. It's it's going over the previous 24 hours and just just about every day, see if there's any fires to put out, anything we need to do, uh, and then looking ahead through the next week, whether we have a tournament or a school event. You know, my my schedule revolves around um, the school teams, which is my favorite part. The falls middle school, and yeah. the winter is um, a lot of events, mm -hmm. and the spring about mid February through May is the high school and then the summer is tennis camps and clinics, but we do instructional yeah. programming year round. So yeah. anyway, the, the midday, you know, I'll sometimes try to catch assembly up at school. I'll have lunch with the faculty and the kids. That's, that's kind of fun. Yeah. And I, there's about an hour and a half break there where I can catch back up on emails and then either practice or junior development starts in the about three, three thirty, and then we'll go to, you know, six thirty, and occasionally I'll have an evening lesson, mm -hmm. and get home about seven thirty or eight o'clock at night, and it's just get up and do it all over again. But every day is different, but yeah. um, it's I, I miss it a lot. I, I didn't, you know, this break has really been a reset on uh, on getting to be around the kids and how important it is. I do not do good locked up and isolated. <laughs> this is not for me. <laughs> well, no, I feel like so many tennis people, we just can't sit still, you know, so <laughs> it's I'm, good to get the treadmill. <laughs> yeah, I need almost medication for that. And I, I found it so interesting. I, I watched your podcast with Meg and, uh -huh. you know, she was talking about being competitive and some of the things were so spot on. We're all so competitive and, but there's such a, a nice network when you've played and you can relate. I don't know Meg that well, but I know I know Mark and Eric pretty well. And Mark's one of the the nicest guys ever. And yeah. um, and Eric the same. Eric's Eric's competitive, but he covered yeah, it up yeah. <laughs> covered it up quite as well as Eric. But uh, I, I think the world of him. He's just been his mom was always good to me when we moved here. It was funny, oh but um. She would always, when I played qualifying and I'd qualify for Southern, she made she knew I was the new guy, and uh -huh. it's tough as a teenager to break into that crowd. And she would always make sure I'd have my paperwork done and everything set. Oh, for I was looking out for you, yeah. Looking out for me. She was a sweet lady, so you know maybe my Eric's a, a great guy. He he obviously has a wonderful family, and uh, I just yeah. all the these tennis relationships have. Um, are very special to me. I really appreciate them. your mom. I mean, she's a competing coach. And I th she's brought some girls up and played in some of our events. And um, I just think the world of of her and I mean, Phil Chamberlain in Memphis. I, I saw your one with Rusty. I don't know Rusty, but yeah. um, I know Jimmy Pitcannon from Knoxville. Knoxville's the the area where I don't know quite as many of the people. I'm not, not as plugged in there, but yeah, um, it's just it's a great it's just a it's a great profession it's a tough profession but it's a, it's a good yeah. profession no it's it's a great just community of people for sure and i think through you know the podcast and just through conversations that we're all able to have now we're realizing just 
how much we all do have in common, you know, and a lot of the same things that we're going through. So that, that is a good thing about this time. <laughs> but, um, well, and, and, you know, you said a lot of your um, job that you're doing now, you know, a lot of that work is with the team and, you know, unfortunately during this time, not around the team as much, but, um, you know, when, when you are with them and, and any contact you have with them, what's your philosophy really in, in coaching them and what do you try to instill in your players? Well, um, being being the tennis director, I'm I'm lucky. There's there's a few perks that come with my age. I mean, um, when I've played so much, uh, um, I've had both hips replaced. So I'm lucky enough being the director. I have a wonderful um, staff, and I have a pretty good eye through through the other sports, through through tennis, through of who's good where and yeah. I, I have a an alumni her name is hannah kimbrough who i think is you know an older daughter actually she's wonderful she works with the girls high school varsity mm -hmm. and and i'm the head coach through because of my title of faculty with the school but hannah yeah. does she'll run the practices i'll help and demo robbie mccammon takes the boys yeah. We have we have JV, so I have another person that might be JV boys. We have JV girls, and we even have like an instructional group because we don't have really a cut. Yeah, uh, so sixty to seventy kids out there in the spring that that just keep the twelve courts just really busy. And yeah. so I'm I get to roam a lot, but to your the point of your question is um, the main philosophy is represent yourself your family, your school respectfully mm -hmm. while competing with your best effort and best attitude. Now that is a lot to ask out of a high school or middle school kid. Because there, yeah. if, I, if I remember back to my days, I don't know, I'm glad they did not have the iPhones and all that stuff. But um, yeah. it, it's really important um, that they understand that. But Mm -hmm. they, most of them do. I usually end up playing the bad cop and it's not very often that I have to, but because of my age, yeah. they see me and especially my, since I'm faculty at the school, you know, if I were coaching at Maryland farms, which I did a lot when I was younger right. or at a club, they would be calling me Greg and I'm coach chambers. And you can tell there, there's a, I, I wish there weren't, but there's a little bit of, Oh my God, he's, you know, he's, he's like one of the deans. You got to be careful around him. But uh, yeah. they getting to know after you break the ice and hopefully, you know, if I get to see a lot of these kids from lower school, middle school and high school and you see who's competitive and who who kind of really likes tennis and wants to put the work in. Yeah. So it's been fun to watch those kids. I've been there long enough now where I've seen a lot of middle schoolers go up. Uh, right. through the high school ranks and you know some have even gone on to play college so so that's fun but I have great help and um, so I'll I'll do some demos I'll throw in some words of advice I'll ask questions and and just try to get to know the kids and and be it not just a tennis coach but a, right. a mentor and someone to help them off the court and you know yeah. someone bounce things off of high schools a middle school high school is a tough time I, w I don't think I'd want to go back yeah. and do that again 
Yeah, same. Yeah, it's it's not an easy time. There's so much change, and um, yeah, like everybody's going through change at the same time. I mean, we all are anyway. But yeah, it's it's a particularly tough time, I think. Right. A lot of people, but well, with all that you do, you know, with with the teams and with the facility, what do you find? And you and you run tournaments, which we'll get into as well. But um, what do you find like really rewarding and and fun about it? And what do you enjoy? And what maybe are some challenges? Well, I I don't know how in the world I wound up at a school. I mean, when people think if you're in the tennis business, mm-hmm. most places high school tennis is usually the science teacher coming out and organizing. It was for me when I played in high school, it was the basketball coach and he taught some PE and he just basically gave me the lineup card and said, here, you know, fill it out, Greg, you do it. But, um, but I just enjoy the kids. I mean, I, when I was at Maryland farms, my responsibility was the ladies and then some of the kids and there's a lot of drama going on with the ladies. Uh, we have in Nashville, we have, you know, Nalta, and that's mm-hmm. like, I call it combat tennis. I laugh with some of the ladies because some of them really, that's their Wimbledon. That's, that is the highlight of their week. So I don't, Robbie deals with a lot of the ladies at, at Innsworth and I get to deal with the kids and, and yeah. make sure that um, everybody understands we're a school first and we do have a nice tennis facility. We're not a club. And, mm-hmm. um, it's just the special part is is being around those kids and the relationships. I mean, I have a lot of kids that have graduated, whether they played or not in college. They they you know one boy turned twenty one you know the other day. I get to see Hannah a lot. Um, she went on to play at Eastern Illinois. Okay. Um, Bobby Bethke played at University of Chicago. Um, you know, just it's neat to see and hear how they. Um, I mean, just be a part of their growing up experience and then hear how they're doing once they leave college. But I'm lucky that I'm around kids. That's where I need to be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. Well, um, and, and like we, you know, we've talked about in the past, like you run a lot of tournaments, talk a little bit about what all that entails. Cause I know some people, um, on the listening and, you know, viewers watching haven't ran tournaments or they've run a lot of tournaments, but talk a little bit about what that process is like for you. And how um, you well, well, we, I'm a little different. I, I've been, um, uh, I was, I've been on some calls with the USCA recently, uh, with mm-hmm. their new. Um, tournament management system. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm learning uh, the what's going to roll out uh, mm-hmm. in 2021. But for what we've done previously is okay. You, you a lot of planning. Um, yeah, I make the deadlines earlier than a lot of the events because we'll order. You know, I got to look at how many people sign up. We're going to order a tournament gift and, and it's hard to get creative. You know, usually there's a T-shirt, but everybody has T-shirts. So we've done towels. We've right. done water bottles. We've done lots of different things. We've done sweatshirts. We want to we want to make sure we're promoting our our tennis center, our, our tennis program. But we also um, in their entry fee, we want to give them something to remember that experience we want to make it a good experience so i generally try to get an email list of all the participants so that i can send them notice that hey okay deadline's set 
I'm making the draw this weekend. So I'll let them know of what, what their time, uh, I'll do the draws the weekend prior to the Friday start. And that takes a lot of time. And uh, depending on the type of tournament that, whether you can push a few buttons and it's done, or if it's a kind of a level-based tournament, there's a lot of more thought that has to go into that. It takes a little longer, but yeah. um, I enjoy that. I, I enjoy data. I enjoy analyzing numbers. I was always good in math and science and not as good as English and, and all that other stuff, but uh, I really enjoy crunching the numbers. And uh, so I'll, I'll do the draws, um, try to make sure, generally we'll do level-based some tournaments. And so I make sure I'm providing good matchups, at least, you know, two to three matches in the tournaments for the participants. I communicate with the, the parents, let them know that the draws are posted, the times are posted. Um, and then, you know, make sure you get the balls and, and all your awards and all the, the bells and whistles that go along with it. Um, we try to have a, a, a nice tournament desk. Um, we just want to be having attention, have attention for detail and, and put out the best product and make sure our school's represented and our facilities nice and clean and we're on time. Uh, we, you know, we're checking the weather, whether we're going to use all 12 courts, which are six indoor, six outdoor, or, you know, what if it rains and we have to go to just the six indoor. So there's yeah. some, there's a lot of moving parts to it. And then, you know, once the tournament's over, now there's social media. So we generally take pictures. We, we post things on social media to, to recognize the kids that play. We send a follow-up email at the end of the tournament. And I like statistics, and so I'll send some statistics of the tournament. Yeah. Um, we're also lucky enough to have PlaySite at Ensworth where, you know, we can do a video highlight here and there, and that that's kind of neat to see. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, my daughter's still playing, so I'm lucky that yeah. she gets to yeah. participate in that. But one of the things I like is when I was um, just a tennis pro, Mm -hmm. you know, I teach lessons. I'm feeding out of a basket all day long. I, I really didn't um, watch a lot of my students play. And now because we, we I've seen thousands, literally thousands of matches, I get to see them play. And that's another good thing about high school coaching is, you know, you're not just feeding them and working on their technique. You're seeing how they respond to pressure. Yeah. Uh, you, you're you really become a better coach. Um, when you run events and, and you actually, and I have a good, you know, got to get the referees and got to get yeah. some extra help. So I do roam around and I have expectations on how players need to act and treat opponents and all that. So yeah. that can get a little tricky, but because <clears throat> emotions flare up sometimes, tennis yeah. is it's tough. It's self-regulation, so it's tough. But, mm -hmm. you know, we, we have great viewing above uh, the baseline behind yeah. each court and so I, I remind the players that hey everybody can can see your line call so if you're not sure it's it's in but yeah. um but that's it that's a I really enjoy the tournaments I think that's how and that that's mainly how I got good my parents couldn't afford a lot of lessons in clinics but I played a ton and um I like I like seeing the kids play I think that's how they get that get, they get good so we try to instill um those tournaments as a part of our junior programming and yeah. and you, you end up seeing who's competitive and and who's not when you right. offer that right. so right. so it's it's there for the parents as well 
but um, it, it's a good fallback so that I can say, okay, well, you know, I can answer a lot of parents' questions. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> it provides yeah. me some demo and some, yeah. but, but um, those are, that's one of my favorite things to do is run the tournaments. Yeah. Well, and like you just mentioned, like the tournaments you feel have made you like a better professional and a coach and, and what you've also done, um, which touched on a little bit, but you played throughout, you know, you played collegiately, you played juniors collegiately, and then you played throughout your time teaching and coaching. So talk a little bit about like your playing alongside all this and how that's maybe contributed to you like teaching or coaching or vice versa. Right. Um, it, when I, when I look back, you know, I, I mean, I really, I was good about 29. I mean, uh -huh. I played one in college, but since I played those other sports, I think I peaked much later, but I can remember thinking I was pretty good right out of college and playing, they used to call it the satellite events before they had futures. Right. And I, I yeah. went to, um, but then it was somewhere in South Alabama. It, it may have been at, South Alabama University. I don't know, but uh, okay. there was 256 draw, and, I, and a, a guy here named Jim Madrigal. Um, okay. we, we've been good friends a long time, and, and Jim's—he's a little bit of a renegade, but he is a dear friend of me, and we've yeah. we've gone through life's ups and downs together. And uh, I miss him. I don't get to see him as much, but we played a lot of doubles. But we went down to this tournament, and um, I'm looking for the draw, and I see my name, and I said, Jim. I play Michael Joyce and he said, shut up. And I'm like, <laughs> and, he, and he goes, out of 256 six guys, you draw Michael Joyce first round. And he evidently was, I didn't, I've never heard of him, but he was from Los Angeles and he was the best player in the tournament. And yeah. I got three games, but he ended up fourth round in Wimbledon. And so I knew real quick that I wasn't <laughs> going to make money playing tennis. So oh, I needed to go here and teach, but I played a few of those and, yeah. and I played, um, you know, when I I mentioned Russell Bushy earlier, um, yeah. that was a highlight, getting to play doubles with Russell. Yeah. Um, and one of my teaching idols is, was Peter Van Lingen. But, you know, I play against Peter. I never beat him in singles, and he was he's 20 years older than me. But we'd have some great close matches. But I think that aura of his reputation, when it got close, it was usually I didn't believe I could win. But in doubles. Russell and I beat about everybody, and um, but Jim and I played a lot of doubles together. Um, you know, playing, I didn't really. I, I was really fast, mm -hmm. and I didn't really. I had I had no power. I was very consistent, and I could place the ball. So now that I'm not fast, um, it that playing. I mean, that that I mean, I remember. I, I want to tell you one thing about Brian Baker as well I was lucky enough to, yeah. to know him and his family but um, yeah. when you play um, like at age 29 30 I had the look I had you know good hair back then I could move I'm young you know I really didn't know what I was I mean I could teach a little bit but I wasn't yeah. near I didn't know near what I know now but yeah. uh when you, you know, you're if if you're a good mover or not a good mover, that determines your strategy. 
If you're consistent or not consistent, that determines your strategy. If you can hit targets or can't hit targets, that determines your strategy. If you have power or don't have power, that might be your strategy. So from an early age, I learned that, you know, I was pretty consistent. So I knew in in the warm-up or the first couple of games how to assess my opponent. And I knew if I kept the ball in play long enough, that guy was going to crack. And he was in trouble. And then I knew when I was outmatched, I probably need to shorten the point and and go in. And so I liked to have option A, B, C. And when I could move, I had those. And now my like I'll play my daughter now and I have the op she knows it's gonna be he's coming to the net or he's drop shot me. Yeah. And I'm running up there. (laughs) So and I said I told her 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 name is Anna and I said, Anna, if this first ball, if you can move me, you have a good chance. You're, you you can get a set or two. You know, I generally get seven, eight of the out of ten sets against her. But uh, yeah. if you will dictate play right off the bat, off my weak serve or off anything I land in the middle of the court, if you'll move me, I'm in trouble. And right. yeah. geez, I've taught her to learn to volley. And I learned to volley earlier. And a lot of kids, they, they don't volley as much anymore. They just crack it from the baseline and right. and I, I still like to make kids comfortable from all parts of the court but uh, yeah. that playing that play it really makes you a, a better coach because kids have strengths and weaknesses and I think I've had lots of strengths and weaknesses in the past now mm-hmm. I have a lot more weaknesses so um, I, I can go to a kid and say okay you're really good at this yeah. and and I'll point out to them that, okay, this, this other school or, that we're playing, mm-hmm. their, their girls or boys, they're one up, one back, they're serving. The second serve's not very good. And that girl at the net or the boy at the net, but it's usually the, the girl on that in this scenario, yeah. she hates to volley. She don't want to be up there. So, you know, everybody's always telling you to hit it cross court. Well, that's assuming that person can play the net. So right. why don't you? Rip it right at her and see how she, what happens. And right. then two or three points later, the girl ends up backing up to the baseline. So yeah. you know you can coach in a lot of different ways. It's not a right. one at all. Right. Right. So I, I just I enjoy watching the kids. I enjoy telling them, okay, in this situation, you know, I think a long point favors you. In this situation or against this person, I think a short point favors you. So right. um, you know they have to be able to to understand that language and Mm -hmm. they have to be able to understand that I have their best interest in mind over a long period of time. So that's, that's a little bit of a challenge, but that it's fun. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, good. Well, do you have any advice or suggestions for tennis professionals looking to get into the industry? And and that may be like in a position like yours or um, just anywhere. Cause we, as we know, there's so many different pathways you can take in the tennis. I like, I mean, with me, um, I was lucky that I, I played. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, I kind of hung my hat on my playing ability. That didn't yeah. necessarily mean I was a good instructor, but, right. um, but I, my playing got me to a, a, a facility where I was in charge. But I think it's real important that you be a generalist. You, you kind of, yeah you you deal with the masses and you make it fun 
and right. you you're into it you, you need to be passionate about it and you need yeah. to take yourself serious but make it fun and establish good relationships and have an eye for detail but but grab on to a mentor or someone that's been in the business a little while and learn from them i was lucky enough at maryland farms to have i mean i wasn't lucky for them but i had three different tennis directors in three years that I, I learned a little bit of their style and so yeah. I took my, their style a little bit of my style and then um, you know during college and then even afterwards I worked with uh, Peter Van Lingen who you know he was he played Davis Cup for South Africa he yeah. played US Open he was good and I learned his style and I, I just took all of those and kind of incorporated it into my style and my personality and what I thought was effective and what wasn't and uh and there was a the the entry of somebody else that made a big impact on me was a guy named Dave Anderson mm -hmm. um Dave would explain to me he was not the player he was a football player and, a, and then yeah. a teacher and yeah. um and then he said he made more money in one summer teaching tennis than he did teaching all through teaching math or whatever all through the year and i'm yeah so he started teaching tennis and he he latched on to these some of these wealthy guys around town but he'd set up matches but dave was a kind of a life coach wasn't really a, a technical tennis guy like peter was peter taught a lot of technique and he yeah. he would demo and I, I really liked the way peter taught his groups and even his privates mm -hmm. And I've I still use a lot of the drills and a, and a lot of Peter's sayings now when I teach. But Dave was he passed away probably six, seven, eight years ago. And mm -hmm. I really miss him. But he um, he'd say things like Chambers, slow down. Something good will catch you. He'd yeah. say keep it in the middle, because if you get too far to the right, you're going to wreck. You're going to go into the bushes, get too far to the left. You know somebody's going to run into you so keep right. it in the middle and he wasn't just talking about tennis he was talking about politics life everything else yeah. so he was yeah. he was a good one he had a lot of little yogi bear bearisms when he'd, he'd get frustrated he'd say you know he goes if they don't know how are you going to tell them you know he'd just say yeah. things like that and you yeah. know i just i miss um i'm grateful that i had the time with people like that and uh Peter's gone through some health issues and I, I miss seeing um, those mentors to me and and I, then I walk by a mirror, mirror and I look at how old I am and I think well I'm I'm hopefully I need to be a mentor to some of these younger kids that are teaching I think I'm as, as kids but um, in my in my mind I'm still 30 but you know when I go to chase that ball it bounces four times I'm not 30 so <laughs> but anyway it's yeah. it's um anybody new to the business they they need they need to keep an open mind and and, and to learn learn from somebody that's done it a lot and i and i think i think running tournaments is a great thing to do i just mm -hmm. yeah uh, you, you can be a a referee you can be you can be a lot of things in tennis you can you know learn the tennis business and then learn manage a club um right. that that's a nightmare because i actually did that for a little while to, yeah. to learn the it, it's it was bad back then but it was dollars per square foot was kind of it hurt tennis you know you yeah. see all these tennis clubs going going down because mm -hmm. of the dollars per square foot thing well now with social distancing 
we need to be marketing like crazy because yeah. we we're yeah. the sport where you can get exercise not like yeah. golf you can get exercise yeah. and you can be a part so right. i think there needs yeah. to be some commercials on tv talking about <laughs> benefits of tennis <laughs> so, uh, but in the relationships those things it it seems like um it, it just goes by quick and those relationships stick it's it's really it's really a great great sport to get into it is tough those first few years because yeah. you have to be young and energetic and be willing to be on the court a long time i'm fortunate where i don't have to make my living on the court quite as much mm -hmm. yeah so it's a tough entry it's a tough job but it's a very fulfilling job yeah neat well, what are some of your most memorable moments um, with tennis throughout your playing or your professional career? What are some that stand out to you? I know it's hard to even probably tell them all, but. There's a ton, but um, I wanted to mention, um, you know, when I first got to Westside and I was uh -huh. a pretty good player, I would run this junior tournament every spring and uh, Brian Baker grew up at Westside. He, I remember him when he was six years old, his little pudgy guy, didn't say a word and if you met his yeah. dad you'd understand Steve he said most of the words and mm -hmm. and he I, I just got to know that family and Steve would always and that was back when you put your seating information you wrote it down on the back of the entry form and yeah. um, I'd never see it Brown would always play an age division or even two age divisions up yeah. but um, I'd never see him where he probably should have been seated and he'd win the tournament I mean he'd be nine and he'd win the yeah, well, he'd be 10 and he'd win the 14s. But but uh, one of the most interesting uh, tennis experiences for me, and I was, shoot, early 40s. Um, mm -hmm. Well, I mean, a couple with Brian. I, I put my dog in my car and I drove to Kalamazoo one time and watched him. And mm -hmm. he, he was number one seed. He didn't do so well, but he still ended up getting to the U.S. Open on a wild card. Mm -hmm. But um, he... Um, I just people say people want to cling on and say they're coaches. I would I would play him a little bit and and um I remember playing him one time. He beat me the last time I played him, he beat me four and one. And he I didn't play him anymore after that. Yeah. I was in my thirties. And um he he hit he had it was four balls, four serves, I didn't touch a ball. And I walked up to that. I said, Brian, that's never happened to me. Four aces in one one game. And then I remember a couple of years ago, I got a text. He goes, I thought of you today. I was playing Dennis Istaman from Uzbekistan. And uh -huh. he said, I did the same thing. And I'm like, wow, that, I'm, hey, I'm glad he thought of me. But one of the coolest things, I was with the, the Baker family. I had a badge at the U.S. Open. Uh -huh. and um, And just that relationship over so many years, it, it, it took so long to, to I really appreciate it. Now I used to get up early in the morning and watch the live ticker on how he was doing in, in certain tournaments in Europe as when he was a kid. But now here I was at the U.S. Open walking with his dad and his dad said, there's not a chance in the world Brown's going to win this match. He's playing Gaston Gaudio, number yeah. nine in the world. He goes, I'm going to go help these Nashvillians get some tickets. Will you go to the locker room and calm him down? You've known him a long time. You know, you can get his mind off being nervous and talk to him. Yeah. And I said, great I'll, i'd love to go so i'm down there i'm in the u.s open locker room <laughs> before cool. they call the players yeah uh, 
to go play. And I, and Nadal is behind me, and wow. he's his legs shaking. He's jacked up. I see Leighton Hewitt walk by me, Tracy Austin, and I'm there with Brian, and I'm like, Brian, man, this is a. I would give my left, you know, arm to be able to play on the grandstand at the U.S. Open. This is so cool. I said, go out and have fun and play like you're playing in your backyard, man. He has a he has own court, yeah. and uh, and we I just we just talked and and um, I just tried to relax him, and I I was jacked up. I was so excited yeah. to be there. And <laughs> Brian walks out, and, and he did have an injury, but I said, you know, I've been coming to this. The USDA had a conference up there about every year, and I said, I've been coming to this tournament a long time. And Gaudio, I know he's seated nine, but he checks out. He's a clay quarter. He checks out a lot at the end of the year, and he doesn't necessarily like hard courts. I said, just you never know. See where and it so goes. Yeah. Went out and I'm and I'm vocal. My mom was vocal, uh-huh. uh, and you know, little league baseball. I, I see where I get it because I'm yelling between points, and I think you know that I remember Gaudio just got was under his skin a little bit and yeah. I was close enough. I, I didn't mean to be, but I was pulling so hard for Brian, but he had won the first two sets and he was up in the third and then he calls for the trainer. And I'm like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> don't let this guy know that all he has to do is win a set and then you're going to default. But Brian managed to pull that out. And then he lost to Xavier Melise in the second round. And I got to spend some time with his brother, Art, who's a doctor now. And that, right. that's a, that was a cool a cool experience and and then you know um i i got to go to the french open that was kind of a bucket list item when he made his comeback after many many injuries and uh i saw him beat xavier malice first round and then losing five to simone on chatrier and i was in the player's box and that was that was a cool thing so you know i can say i helped contribute to to Brian, I mean, I felt like I was an older kind of mentor, hitting partner for a very short period of time, but and a tournament director to a lot to the tournaments that he ran. But right. that's on a very high level. You're you're yeah. most of the people. You just want to get them into tournaments and you want them to play their whole life. Like Meg said, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully these kids they they enjoy tennis so much they continue to play like we do through our adult lives because yeah. it is a great life sport. But um, yeah. another, the other experience I had was um, that really sticks out was at Innsworth. We had eight outdoor courts. And uh, I, I remember I'd played a, one of these kids a set, sweating, mm-hmm. took my shoe, my shoes are wet. I'm just, just disgusting. Yeah. But, yeah. And I was gross and I, this car pulls up and it, it was, it was, um, the, the main donor of our high school campus and he he said greg do you have time to get in the car and i was like yeah I was, great yeah. <laughs> and i reached in and i'm like hey I, you don't have any door handles on this thing and she said oh i'm sorry and he pushes a button and these doorknobs popped out oh, wow. and, I, and I, I was like cool i said you're james bond too and um i was just trying to have a little fun with him but I'm a little nervous because this is the wealthiest man in Tennessee and and uh, he started asking questions and and here I, I'm sitting here. I mean, my mind is racing. How many opportunities am I going to have to make my case or present to to this man? Right. And um, so I we talked about options for for tennis and what that might look like for Ensworth. And I took him through, you know, a bubble and, you know, a little perm a little you know thing like 
maybe Baylor had on their initial courts. Mm -hmm. And then I talked about Macaulay and I was using all that. And then I, I mentioned, uh, you know, NBA has got a real cool soccer. They've got a neat parking garage and a soccer field on top in Lipscomb where I played. Right. <laughs> I mean, um, has their tennis courts on top. So I mentioned a fourth um, option. I said, if it were me, you know, I would go up. And yeah. and then he was, he just, you know, he was probably 78 years old then. I don't know how old he was, but um, he, he he listened. And that's, that's an important trait for all of us. And uh, <laughs> yes. And, and then I, I was called into a meeting about three or four weeks later Mm -hmm. and they were showing slides and it was exactly what we discussed. And I'm like, holy cow, I should go back to the architect and ask for my share of his <laughs> because that was what we discussed. But oh, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. So it yeah. went around and around and, and we ended up, he, he, he was the sole donor of a ridiculous tennis center and I, I think it's probably the nicest high school center in the country but uh, so. yes <laughs> nicer than most colleges too yeah. it oh just blows my mind and so that was just having that relationship with him because he'll come in and I hope he's doing okay during this I'll send him a note here and there but yeah. he likes hearing about the kids and yeah. he, he'll watch tennis I didn't know he played number one for NBA and he was a quarterback okay. He played basketball. He brought all his friends in when we were oh, finished, wow. showing all these really high-profile Nashvillians mm -hmm. who were buddies of his. Mm -hmm. He was really showing off what he had built. Yeah. And he, he called me and said, hey, would you give us a tour and answer questions? So that yeah. was an experience. But there have been probably the coolest is my daughter. You know, oh. that's her playing tennis. Um you know, Eric's family with, with, I saw Turner this year, you know, he was with yeah, Turner playing, yeah. because Belmont plays some matches at Innsworth. But, you know, when you're, when your child plays, I think that is that special. I mean, your mom is such a special lady to a lot of people and for her to, you know, have such an influence on you to, for you to be in the business as a lot. And I'm just real proud that my daughter plays because we will play some doubles together play yeah. singles together that yeah. and that's a bond that um we'll have forever yeah so those those are probably my my top three yeah oh that's awesome well thanks for sharing those those are those are great well um i know you know obviously you spend a lot of time at tennis center and on the tennis court but what do you like to do when you're not around Tennis. Yeah, well, I've been starting to like this treadmill. Um, yeah, treadmill. <laughs> I, I, I'm a movie guy. Um, I like okay. movies, and I don't mind watching it over and over. I, you know, I told you about baseball, so I've seen yeah. the movie Moneyball about 50 yeah. times. Oh wow! I, yeah, I like Brad Pitt uh, in the movies. I like Brad Pitt, and yeah. um, I love I love sports, and so I love movies. I love going to dinner. I do a little bit of reading, but um, I'm pretty boring. I like going to the same places for dinner. Boy, if it's good, why change? Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I do, I don't, I miss being able to go out and run two or three, four miles, but I'll walk a lot and yeah. uh, I get my steps in. And, and so though yeah. that, that pretty much sums it up. Um, the movies, 
Netflix, thank goodness for Netflix, but uh, <laughs> I'll save a lot of these older movies. I mean, there's there's a lot of the 90, 90s movies I really like. And uh, so what are some your, your favorites? That you like? What are some of the ones you like or that you've been watching? Well, I've, I've watched Moneyball a lot. I've, I like Goodwill Hunting. I like Good Men. I like Julia Roberts and Notting Hill. And yeah. I'm looking brief. I like Denzel Washington. I like that movie Man on Fire with Denzel Washington. It's kind of violent, but it's a good uh -huh. movie. But um, yeah. and, and I just I like light movies. I'll watch. Yeah. I mean, my wife laughs, but if I need to just kind of laugh and chill out from decompress from the day i'll i have moneyball and i fast forward through certain parts that i get a kick out of and right and, i mean I, I i use those quotes a lot um when i'm talking to kids they're i mean some of these whoever writes these things they're brilliant but um i enjoy those quite a bit but you know my wife and i will go and and my daughter even goes with us a lot even though she's 17 she's mm -hmm. still like hanging out with us we're lucky so we'll all go to dinner a lot and um and occasionally we'll see a movie in theaters but generally we'll come home and watch a movie so yeah. uh but but it's uh there's not a whole lot of time when when things are rocking at the tennis center yeah especially during a tournament that you you were yeah. you put in about 35 hours from friday to sunday yeah long hours and, and i don't think um you know i mean it's with everybody's job there's a lot more to it than just what receives but especially with tournaments and like if you see someone teaching like there's so much admin off of the court you know especially uh, if you're a tournament director it's like yeah it's you really in order to know how much you actually have to be one and it's it's a lot <laughs> on top of your job <laughs> rusty made a good point in one of your podcasts um you know i felt for him he was talking about the clay court prep yeah and i had 10 clay courts at west side and you know every other month you know your maintenance crew quits or something and i can remember getting up real early and putting on a hat and rolling yeah. the courts and we had the worst watering system ever oh it was horrible and um but but him having to deal with the, the clay courts that's that's a whole another issue i'm glad i don't have to deal with that yeah it's it's part of the job sometimes depending on where, where you are yeah, <laughs> we have not installed the clay courts yeah <laughs> well um greg is there anything you want to tell the viewers or the audience anything you'd like to promote or talk about here um well we you know i'm i'm the tennis director at Innsworth and and i I have a wonderful staff. Uh, Matt Decker is kind of a co or associate director, and he he does a lot of things uh, with me and for me, and it's fun to run ideas off off of everybody. But we we like to have a lot of activity at our at our uh, school and tennis center, so we run camps and clinics every week we have instructional program pretty much throughout the year hoping this virus stuff clears up and we're able to get back even at a limited uh, capacity at first but we do we are planning on starting our camps june 1st um i've been talking to the usta a little bit about maybe trying out this new software uh in a some kind of beta test to get some data yeah, that new world tennis number coming out. Um, maybe we could run a tournament or two this summer. We don't until we're we get the okay. You know, we can't really yeah. plan any. Uncertainty. But, 
it's it's really clinics and camps and and tournaments and instruction and and all private instruction and that's year round so we we appreciate everybody that's supported those and and we um we want to you know support everybody else's as well and um we just we hope everybody's looking out for their safety number one but we we look forward to getting back and having a little more interaction it this is yeah. this is not healthy staying inside this is not good for anybody yeah gotta get and out I really, <laughs> I really appreciate you having me claire and uh please tell your mom i love she i got a real sweet note from your mom and that means a lot it was a little text she sent me and um and, and your dad as well he does i see him during the middle school season yeah. <laughs> and, um, those, that, that means a lot it's this has been a, an interesting time to kind of reflect on a lot of things and yeah. and um you know we we need to sometimes slow down and, and realize how important each day is oh yeah no very very well said and couldn't agree more <laughs> well, well thanks so much again greg for coming on really appreciate you and, and the well, time thanks. Given thanks. Us here. yeah you. yeah and to our viewers and our listeners thanks so much for tuning in um if you like the content and you're on youtube you can click the bottom and subscribe and then hit the little bell so you get the notifications because we'll be having more and more guests on each week. So go and do that. And then we're on Facebook and Instagram at me and my racket. So check us out there, like, and follow us and we will see you next time. Hope everybody has a good day. Bye. <laughs>